2022. We've seen the Golden State Warriors be really good and then not really good. We've seen the Los Angeles Rams be really good and then not really good. We've seen the Houston Astros continue their evil empiric ways. We've seen the collecting industry evolve and grow and oftentimes get a little weird. Uh, we've seen the premiere of a stellar hobby podcast starring a very handsome gentleman named, well, you know, it's, it's me. It's been a hell of a year in both the sports world and the collecting world. And 2023, well, 2023 is going to be pretty cool, too. What better way to ring out the old and ring in a new than with a roundtable episode of Collect This. Welcome to Collect This, powered by CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. Here's your host, Alan Goldscher. All right, so before we get to the really, 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 really good stuff, we've got some really, really, really good stuff, and three reallys is really good. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Check out this special deal for you awesome Collect This listeners. Head over to csgcards.com slash join, select premium, and use the promo code COLLECTTHIS, that's us, and you can join CSG at the premium level for just $99, $50 off the regular price, oh my goodness, $50 off, but not only that, you'll get a $150 savings cash credit, so the price of membership pays for itself, but wait, there's more! You'll get access to exclusive benefits like discounts on select add-on services, 24-7 online submission tracking, and 10% off at the CCG store. Once again, csgcars.com slash join, select premium, promo code collect this. Get your grade on with CSG. We have a cavalcade of stars here to talk about what happened in 2022 in the hobby, what might happen in 2023 in the hobby, and uh, what we'll be kind of looking for, right? We're going to make predictions. Well, well they're going to make predictions. I ain't putting myself on the line. Uh, we're going to talk about the good stuff that we've seen this year and some of the bad stuff, and it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, Ryan Freeman, founder of Auction Report. You, understandably, are biased towards auctions. What did you see this year, auction-wise, in the hobby that kind of piqued your interest? I was just amazed at the total number of uh, auctions that are being offered constantly in 2022. I think it set like a new trend of not just the n total number of auctions, but the different type of, you know, uh, type of auctions that come up, whether it be like a premier auction, a specialty auction, weekly auction, monthly auction. I think 2022 showed that all the auction houses that uh, that we cover can uh, not only handle all these uh, uh, influx of, of memorabilia and sports cards that are coming onto the market, but they're the premier source to sell your item or buy your items through in 2022. I, I mean, I am biased. I think the auctions are the heart and soul of the industry. Everything is tied to the auction business. Um, you know, whether it's the data, um, whether it's, you know, prices realized, just overall sales, quantity of items. I think the auction houses in 2022 really shined uh, no matter how big, you know, whether it's a big auction houses or a small auction house, they actually all just did incredibly well. I don't know of any auction house that had a down year. And I kind of expect that trend to continue, you know, in 2023, because with the auction uh, as a sales vehicle, no matter if the market's going up or the market's going down, it still is the number one uh, way to go about, you know, collecting, investing or getting your items and or selling. So I think uh, 2022 really showed how how well the auctions can do. Now, Ryan, you are like me, a Chicago born, Chicago bred, Chicago native. Uh, and you like me are a Michael Jordan nutbag. Um, 
you liked what you were seeing MJ wise in the game worn space. I did. I mean, I just personally, I've just followed Michael Jordan my whole, you know, whole time in this hobby. And I think we talked on some previous shows that I always said that I think that the Michael Jordan game worn Jersey market is probably the most underrated market there is mm. for a premier, you know, top of the mantle item. I mean, game worn Jordan jerseys, I always say like, you have to take a step back and understand that if you took his entire Chicago bulls career, let's just throw out the wizards for a second. Let's throw out the wizards for many seconds, for many seconds actual game worn jersey possibilities you know that exist from day one till the end of you know playing for the bulls there's there's less than even if you know if you said there's less than 100 for sure i think we've come up with a number there's less than 68 total game worn jerseys that he possibly could have been issued by the chicago bulls and then each year is its own thing so each one's like a one of a kind for the most part other than 97 98 there were a lot more uh, of that year which is a known fact but you know, that that to me is is why I th- thought that, you know, the game worn Jordan jersey market really is just is so limited. It's so rare. It's the goat. There's enough people out there that have enough money that I, I always uh, thought that that would be a, you know, a, a million dollar plus jersey. And obviously we just saw the that finals uh, Jordan jersey sold for ten million dollars plus uh, not too long ago. Uh, we've seen some game worn jersey sell the six hundred thousand plus level there's been two or three of those in the last year i think you're going to continue i think moving forward 2023 i think people are really going to understand the the true rarity of the photo matched game worn chicago bulls letter that comes with a game worn michael jersey it's a million dollar plus piece i don't think you're going to see those jerseys go down in any way shape or form i think it's going to kind of be like the uh the wagner thing you know like t206 wagner if you own one of those jerseys i don't think anyone who ever resells it is ever going to end up losing money uh, mm-hmm, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, just, just, you know, not guaranteeing that, but it just, I think that's going to be the trend because again, the rarity, the true rarity of a game worn unquestionable Michael Jordan Jersey is really there. Well, in a volatile market, um, goats are always a, a pretty safe bet. Uh, speaking of auctions and, and, uh, auction dudes, Tony Giese, uh, consignment director over at heritage and Jesse Craig, uh, PWCC marketplaces, VP of biz dev, you guys, I don't know if you called each other or what, but your favorite 2022 storyline, both of you cited a very, 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 very highly graded 1952 Mickey Mantle tops card. Tony, why is that a, an awesome story for you? Well, I, I think the thing about it was, you know, it went ungraded for so long. This card wasn't graded until probably eight months ago. And to, just to think that this that this card sat ungraded for such a long time, you know, it, it, it's almost mind boggling to me. And I, at the National, there was a constant stream of people that were walking up to the booth, getting their photo taken with the card, the story behind the card, Mr. Mint finding this um, in the early 90s, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. in, the, in the late 80s, early 90s, and this card selling for $50,000 back in, I believe, 1991, and then now selling for 12.6 million was just shocking to me and we all tried to figure out what is this card going to sell for i think the estimate was 10 million went for for 12.6 so um it was just so much fun at the national seeing the buzz in the room with that card and it, it was of course the cards the cards spoke for itself but it was just so much fun just seeing the build up seeing the bids um for that card and it was um just such a great moment for me just to get to see that in person. Jesse, you want to piggyback on that? Yeah, definitely piggyback on that. I figured that would be Tony's favorite thing of the year. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, just being a, a hobby purist and loving vintage myself, you know, having a card like that 
after being discovered, go ungraded for almost 40 years and then get freshly graded, make it to auction and having something that significant hit the open auction block is a really big story for the industry, right? It, it really shows you the demand that you have in a space for high-end rare assets in high grade. And so it was a really exciting time right around the national, you know, perfect timing for this thing to hit the auction block and get a lot of buzz going. So for me, that was kind of the, the key moment for 2022. Uh, my partner in crime at CSG, our marketing manager, Susan Lejudai. Uh, any comments on the mantle thing, Susan? Uh, just as a collector, I thought it was pretty amazing, like what they said. But we went to the National, my family went to the National, and, you know, for us, it was part of the experience of being at the National. My son took a picture with, like, the Mickey Mantle cutout face. Um, you know, it was so cool to get to see the card. So even just as a collector from beyond, like, the business standpoint of it, it was probably one of the neatest things that you get to see because how often are you going to be able to see a card like that in person? Um, Susan, how old is your son? How old is Dean? He is six. And I think that, you know, all of you have spoken uh, about this with me at one point or another, the influx, the, the new influx, relatively new influx of really young children in the hobby. I think it's pretty special. Um, has Dean shown any interest in the hobby other than you kind of nudging him in the Yankee direction? <laughs> Oh, he, no, he loves cards. Like he started collecting with Pokemon cards, um, but he also loves baseball cards. One of like literally one of the things when like he does something well, it's like, OK, here is your treat for doing something well. We'll go to Barnes and Noble and buy a blaster. And usually he'll pick baseball cards. He absolutely loves baseball cards. Speaking of cards, um, the Fanatics tops uh, take over. You were kind of eyeballing that. What, what are you seeing? Uh, that that struck you uh, as as the most interesting aspect of that this year. And do you have any thoughts on how it might look next year? Um, I think it's gonna. It's already looking different for what for twenty twenty three. Because here mm -hmm. we are. It's November thirtieth. So whenever this gets posted, it's November thirtieth. And we don't know anything about 2023 Topps Baseball Series 1. And that's usually something we already know by August. So we know what the design looks like. But beyond that, we actually don't know anything else about it. So you could sort of see it from different standpoints. Um, the way Fanatics is doing social media, the way they're interacting with collectors, the way they're um, interacting with card shops, the way they're not interacting with distributors. Like, there's a lot of things they're doing differently. And I think slowly you're going to see a very different company from and we're already seeing it from what tops was in january when fanatics acquired them mm -hmm. to what they're gonna be like at some point in 2023 great stuff um bradley kaleha alton insights research analyst uh i asked you guys to send me bullet points and your bullet point was really well written i'm just gonna go ahead and read that and i'll let you expound ahem sports card and memorabilia reaching art and luxury prices. Whoa. Between the 52 Mantle and the Maradona and the MJ jersey, we're finally starting to see prices at the highest end of the market push into territories we haven't seen before during this volatile period. Uh, Bradley, please, please expound. Yeah, definitely. So we cover a variety of asset classes stretching beyond sports, cards, memorabilia. I have a background in art, um, the contemporary and modern side, and then also do appraisals with luxury items, watches, handbags. And we are just seeing, you know, forever, there's always been that market in those uh, categories where a 10, 15, $20 million sale is nothing new. Um, it's, it's a market that's very numb to those kind of numbers where 
uh, I was on this last year, I believe at this time and on, on a podcast and I didn't see a eight figure sale happening. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't feel like the sports market was, I, I thought if one of the mantles would appear, obviously this one wasn't known at the time, but you know, if one would appear, maybe it could get to that number, but I, I just didn't know if the, the buyer uh, base and the demographic was there to push anything to that level. And then all of a sudden we had, and actually one of the big sales that early on were the Tiger Slam clubs that sold in the spring mm-hmm. uh, golden mm-hmm. age auction. And when that went for over 5 million and knowing that market very well, uh, that's a sale that would, was unheard of. Uh, you're just not going to see something of a number come through anywhere above even 2 million or 3 million. And to see it, something like that, almost, you know, half of eight figures come through um, at 5 million was incredibly impressive. And at that point, I think the market itself had shown that it could with, you know, it could hold up numbers well beyond that. So, you know, I think 20 million obviously would be the next, the next target for something. Mm -hmm. There's definitely items out there uh, that could command that level. And long-term as well, you know, just knowing art and, and knowing those other markets, as we see that high end continue to push uh, higher and higher, and, and what's going to happen is the market at the mid-tier level and even at a lower-tier level for items, lower-grade mantles, lower, um, maybe lower quality or not as important games for a Jordan jersey or things of that nature, we're going to see those start to command multiples that um, we're, we were maybe seeing at the peak of the market um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. post-COVID, but things have receded a bit. But I'd be very confident in the market moving forward just because the high end is really going to force buyers to pay a premium for those grails. So that's, that's great to see. And I think a storyline that uh, for the year that even with everything going on in the economy, uh, really promising all around. And I think the auction houses have done a great job of capitalizing on you know finding these grails seeking them out getting them consigned and getting them out to the market Mm -hmm. and you know and and also i I just one other point that i think the auction houses have done a great job of this year is keeping people engaged with a lot more ryan kind of alluded to it early but a lot more auctions uh, and just consistently putting out great items that for a while it always felt like things would go dark for a little bit and we didn't have the auction cycles now it's like every week um and we do a lot of content around auctions so i know it because we're very busy Uh, but it's great (laughs) because it keeps people engaged and it also you know is keeping those buyer that buyer pool open and rotating sure cadence in uh any uh venue in this in this uh space is huge right weekly podcasts monthly monthly big auc etc etc people need to know when something's going to show up and be happy when it shows up on a consistent basis is speaking of someone who's done podcasts that haven't been consistent in the past makes a massive difference. Bradley, let me ask you this. Um, an autograph first edition copy of my novel, Paul is undead. Can that hit 20 million? Autographed by who? Um, <laughs> by, by me. No. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, if you have the buyer out there, um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> uh, if my mother had twenty million, she'd probably do it right now. Hey, uh, our returning champion, Darren Herman, Bain Capital Operating Partner. What do you think about Bradley was just saying about the Grails, about the twenty million, uh, the twenty million mark? Is this a thing for you still, or are you more focused on the collecting side? 
Uh, well, so love, love that we're pushing the high end of the market. You know, that's, you know, that's healthy for a lot of folks. Um, but unfortunately, the majority of the market can't play in the high end. Um, and so, you know, as as we think about investing in businesses, you know, there's the high end side, but then there's everything else. And, you know, the, the storyline for me that's most exciting in 22 is the return of the, the hobby. Um, you know, walking around and seeing, you know, eighth man off the bench players going for $500, um, you know, was unhealthy. You know, people made money. There's nothing wrong with that. So wait, you're saying a $4,000 Kobe white card, not not a thing? <laughs> not, not a thing. And And so the thing was, some people made a lot of money during that time, and that's awesome. Um, but it's hard to invest in an irrational time and uh, as it, into businesses. And so what I'm most excited about is we're coming back to you know a rational market. Uh, and then that's an opportunity that we can then understand you know where we place our investments you know within the overall market. and And so, as a business, I get more excited about 2023 um, because I can start to predict, you know, there's rational data ahead of me and then we can figure out, you know, what's growing and, and what's not growing and then go figure out where to place those bets. So I'm I'm super excited about that. You know, the hobbyist in me, um, you know, is excited, too, because I can start to buy uh, again um, and I can start, you know, as a you know, show this past weekend and I picked up a couple of shooting stars, Jordans, um, you know, refractors that I, you know, wasn't going to go buy six months ago, nine months ago, 12 months ago, uh, but you could easily pick up right now. And, and so, you know, super excited about that and the return of the hobby market, um, which is where the majority of, of collectors are. There, there was a $4,000 Kobe white card sale, by the way. Uh, I just, I will never forget that. Uh, Dan Hayducky, my soon-to-be podcast partner. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for that in 2023. Uh, in ESPN.com's hobby go-to guy. I love your favorite story. Penmanship. What do you mean by penmanship, my friend? Yeah, I thought I would zag. Everyone had like really well prepared, thought out uh, <laughs> storylines, and I was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be the unprofessional one here." Uh, yeah, I think I think it's hilarious when you sign on to you know uh, Twitter or you know blowout forum, and you just see some of the you know the hottest athletes in in sports today, and and what they sign stuff like. And um, I don't know if that's a, a function of you know signing thousands and thousands of stickers and thousands of balls and you know memorabilia, and it's just you're going through it but um i remember when I, mean, I was still uh fact checking here uh we had a a, a matthew stafford uh story and in it uh seth wickersham our nfl our big nfl writer um wrote about cooper cup signature and how it was just a c and on to the next c <laughs> on to the next c and he's like oh you're, i think stafford said like oh you're such a wide receiver um and and it's like it's it's pretty it's pretty funny but like yeah, I mean, I remember growing up, like seeing Ken Griffey Jr., Andre Dawson, Mariana Rose signature, and they're just so fluid and beautiful. Um, we're seeing that less and less, and it's not really like a serious storyline, but I think it's funny when, you know, someone posts a picture and it's like a Monroe St. Brown's signature, and it's just like a swoop A, and that's it. He doesn't have like a little son? I, he should, right? He should yeah. be drawing pictures and stuff, and yeah, but... uh I don't know if that's a function of also of, you know, I don't know if penmanship is, you know, it's still a big thing. I remember like I went to Catholic school when I was younger for a bit and there was like, a, you know, a nun with a ruler off to the side of the chalkboard. And it was like, if you, yeah, if you're not, if you're not doing your, your G's correctly, you know, that you, she's, she's looming off to the side. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just funny to me seeing some signatures out there. It's, 
Some of them are pretty bad. Well, my nine-year-old daughter's handwriting is, is atrocious. I love her. She's a genius. Uh, but her handwriting is terrible. So she is ready for her career as a uh, female soccer autograph signer. Hey, Jesse, what are you going to be watching in 2023? Uh, it, does it start with an F and rhymes with an addicts? <laughs> <laughs> It does. Um, Look, Fanatics has a huge opportunity to change the landscape of our space. You know, I really do believe that the secondary market, you know, a la auction houses um, drive a lot of our industry. But Fanatics has a huge responsibility from a manufacturing perspective. And then additionally, their megaphone that they have. I mean, they have 80 million sports fans you know, registered on their website that purchased memorabilia, um, you know, team memorabilia from the major sporting uh, sporting team. So Fanatic's responsibility is is huge. And 2023 is going to be a year where they're going to start talking more about it. They're going to put more marketing dollars behind it, advertising more and you know, hopefully bringing more people into the space, which is ultimately to get this thing to grow is what we need. So um, I'm I'm really excited to see what they do. Um, they've got a, you know, a bunch of backing behind them. Like I said, they have a big responsibility, but um, 2023 is going to be the year that they're going to start using that megaphone. Suze, I think that uh, that's something else you were uh, eyeballing for 2023. You want to uh, expound? Yeah, for me, like I'm a huge baseball card collector, and obviously with Fanatics holding tops, um, it changes the baseball card landscape of how things are going to change and how things are going to happen. And I mentioned before, we're already seeing a little bit of a change um, just in how they solicit products. There, There's no longer this like six-month window where um, card shops and distributors have to put in their order. Now it's, a week, I don't know what exactly it is now, but it's like two, three week months maybe and they have like a week to order products so even that's changing the entire the entire landscape of how products get into the hands of dealers and then essentially into hands of collectors we're seeing more sales on tops.com we're seeing more product on sale at fanatics.com so i think fanatics is going to change a lot in this hobby landscape especially for baseball card collectors uh darren i know this is something that you've been paying attention to just in general the larger players in the, in the field, you got the collectors, you got the fanatics, you got the Beckets, et cetera. Um, what are you specifically going to be uh, looking for from them in that arena? I'm super excited to watch, you know, all the acquisitions they've made over the last couple of years actually integrate and then become of benefit to the, the customer um, or the supply chain. Um, and so, you know, the last few years have we've seen lots of innovation in, in the card space, you know, innovation that we haven't seen at scale, you know, for quite some time. And then there's a bunch of M&A and and uh, it always takes a lot of time to integrate M&A into the roadmaps of companies. Um, and so. So, uh, you know, we should start to see the fruits of that play out and it's mm-hmm. going to benefit, you know, the the customers, you know, Jesse's talking about, you know, the 80 million people in the databases of fanatics, et cetera. They're going to start, you know, those 80 million people are going to start to see some of those benefits as well as, you know, on the back end. Um, and and so I'm, I'm, I'm super curious to see how that plays out. Um, you know, as Susan was mentioning earlier on, you know, you know, we're, we're not seeing some of the stuff yet. Things are changing. Um, we're starting to, you know, we're, we're excited to see what could come out. We're not sure. Um, but, uh, you know, that's interesting. I also do think, though, that today's 
market is a lot different than uh, a market 18 or 24 months ago when a lot of this these deals were done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, a lot, there's a lot of free cash flow 18, 24 months ago. Um, there's not a lot right now in a lot of these companies. And so, you know, some of these companies are going to have to do more with less than what they anticipated 18 or 24 months ago, just due to the economic cycles that we're in now. Um, you know, recession, it's down financial markets, down 20% year over year, et cetera. And so, you know, could the plans they had with some of these acquisitions be a little bit off the rails because they have to, uh, you know, run their businesses and operate their businesses a little bit differently? And so I'm excited to see how this plays out. Um, and uh, I think overall, it's a net positive for any collector or, or, or investor within the space. And and so we should see some fun innovation come to market over the next uh, 12 months or so. Yeah, you know, you hear the word volatility thrown around a lot. And volatility, as Darren uh, knows in the investment world, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a sign of a healthy market, right? Well, I, 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 you know, volatility is annoying, <laughs> but right. I think we have to understand if uh, markets work in cycles. And, exactly. and, you know, I think, you know, laws of physics apply to financial markets too, which is, you know, what goes up must come down. Um, and, and, uh, and so, you know, we had such a bull run since, you know, 2009, 2010, um, you know, markets, you know, work in cycles and, you know, that's going to come swing around again. But the good news is once it, once it comes down, it's going to go back up at some point. Um, but it's going to come back up at a, a different velocity than what we've noticed, you know, over the last two years within the market. And so, and I think a lot healthier uh, velocity. Ryan, how, how does that look? How does this business uh, climate right now um, look in the auction world? What are you seeing happening uh, in the auction world and it, 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 how it's being impacted by the real world, if you will? Well, I think the, again, I think the beauty of the auction business is that it's pretty much the, you know, the auction systems in general, auction selling, buying, it's good for no matter if the market's going up or it's going down. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's fair market value at the end, you know, simplicity is it's fair market value is in the auction, right? It's going to go for what it should go for. Auction houses are going to take their cut on one side or the other, you know, buyer's premium consignment fee. So regardless of, you know, markets going up or down, they're going to make their money. There's so much, there's so many items. I actually think what you're going to see, and I've seen it before, we've seen it many times, is this the shift in more in what collectors, as your phrase it, cards are always going to drive things, but I think we're going to go through a little bit of a phase where you're going to see a nice little increase, again, in the memorabilia and vintage market that's going to keep things healthy overall for mm. all the auction houses. Because typically, when you get a bunch of new collectors that come into the hobby, um, you know, we've seen it before in like the 90s, uh, you know, uh, when it was all about cards and everyone's buying cards and they became the junk wax and then upper deck came out with their memorabilia and you started to see some guys, you know, switch over. I think we're going to see that again, not like massive percentages, but I think you're going to see like, you know, 10, 20% change from guys that just focused on their cards. And now they're going to start going into more memorabilia. And that could be, you know, whether it's autograph game use, original photographs, ticket markets. I mean, all these things are still, you know, especially like tickets, original photographs, game use. I mean, it's still, to me, it's just, it's, it's, still very early on in their growth cycle. And, you know, if, if we all go back and look at how we started, we all started with cars, most of us. I don't know, I know very little people actually started in this hobby collecting memorabilia. It's usually everyone sure. gets into cards. I mean, that's cards drive everything. That's never gonna change in my opinion. But what usually happens is the more sophisticated you, you become, the more interested you become, the more money you end up, you know, as you grow with the hobby, typically you start to kind of flow into the memorabilia side of things and memorabilia and, and, and with the exception of vintage cards have always been a staple. They're, they're you know, they're kind of like the slow, steady 
uh, market overall. And you see that with the auction houses uh, on the pricing and how they sell. So I think in 2023, I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see a little bit of more of a blip, a rise in the number, you know, I think of the um, items that are in the memorabilia category. Uh, I think you're going to see the continuation of some great vintage uh, cards continue to, you know, kind of keep going up. And, uh, you know, I think that's just like a natural progression. I think auction houses are just sitting healthy. I know, I'm, like I said, I'm very biased about the auctions, but it's proven, go back 30 years, the mm-hmm. auction business has been extremely healthy. It's very rarely do you see a massive decrease in, in auction business uh, when the market, whether it's going up or down. Tony, you are an auction guy. Uh, you are, you keep your eyeballs on uh, the and how what happens on the field on the court uh on the gridiron impacts what happens at your at your job uh there is a generational talent in france who is poised to change the nba it's someone you're really excited about talk to me about victor womanyana as a player and as a potential entity in the hobby like is it one of be one of these situations where people are once his cars become available people are going to be dumping tens of thousands hundreds of thousands thinking okay this is gonna be the next Giannis, right i mean there's there's such a small sample size there's nothing of his to really buy yet and i think i saw one autograph on ebay went for 2500 because he was in vegas for a, a few games i believe and so he's there's not a lot of his stuff to buy and i think everyone's kind of excited about what the potential is here i mean this is a once in a generation type player seven foot four can do literally everything and you know what are his autographs what are his game worn jerseys going to go for the card market i think it's going to be like zion almost like Shaq way back in the day mm. where everyone's going to be going crazy for this guy's stuff now always the big thing is can he stay healthy you know there is a tremendous amount of pressure on a kid that's a teenager right now so i i think it's going to really bring a lot of people into the hobby once he gets established once he you know once he gets drafted but i think that's going to bring a lot of eyes to the basketball um hobby as well I would highly encourage everybody to pop onto YouTube and uh, there are multiple highlight reels of this kid. It, it, he is legit, like more legit than mm-hmm. legit. And I, I, like you, cannot wait to watch him on the court. Um, let's pivot a little bit. Dan, you are paying attention to fractional ownership, which speaking of volatile, has had its ups and downs in the last um, 12 to 18 months. What do you think? Uh, what do you envision? Why are you paying such close attention to it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, again, there's a little bit of a bias here because I've, I've been working on a story for some time about it. Um, I, I've been curious for a long time if it can survive the, you know, the pandemic and and become a you know a mainstay. Uh, I, I don't I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, I, I know that um, that was a way to get a lot of people that were in the, in the fringes of collecting and the fringes of the hobby involved. And you're not taking the serious the same sort of serious risk as someone, you know, going all in um i'm curious to see what what happens but i i don't necessarily you know want to wish your guess one way or the other um it's it's an, it's definitely an interesting part of of this of this hobby and of this industry um describe fractional ownership to somebody who doesn't know and it's it's like oh that's a real thing that people do people do that and yeah it, it's interesting to me all right excellent stuff bradley you are also staying it obviously you being the alt guy um you're really curious about the digital stuff. That's something you don't, it's still a thing. It's still a big thing, but NFTs are not in the daily conversation as they were eight, 10 months ago. Yeah. 
No, they're not. And, you know, I think the biggest concern has to be that how much money has was poured into that um, early in 20, late 2020, 2021. Uh, Top Shot just did. 2.7 million in October. They did 59 million in January. Like it's nowhere near where things were at. We're back in the NBA season. The cycle should be like responding to some capacity and it just isn't. I think that um, there's, I, I'm interested to see, you know, where I was um, Dan and Darren alluded to being interested to see where fractional turns. I'm interested to see where the digital side of cards and really just the overall sports market turns, you know, is it going to be as much of marketplace driven or is it going to be more like display? I know there's a couple companies coming up now that are, you know, are allowing better and, and kind of easier access to show off your collections and sort of a digital world. Um, I, I'm just interested to see where that turns to. I think the marketplaces right now, they're not, looking great heading into 2023 there just doesn't seem to be uh the draw to it um but it's also interesting to me to follow because i do think that that angle brought in a lot of collectors to the sports world uh top shot while things might be down now you know they were doing great at one point and they were and they were really targeting a millennial group that maybe isn't interested as much into the tangible cards um, and so I am interested to see, you know, how some companies are able to capture that demographic that, you know, was drawn into the space and, you know, maybe they, they live in that more digital world. They invest in crypto, they're into NFTs. Uh, obviously a lot of those markets are, are getting crushed. Their confidence has to be pretty low on a consumer basis, but there was a demographic that was tapped into. And I think it would be best for a company like Fanatics, who's entering into the, you know, or not entering, they've been around, but they're definitely stepping into an area that maybe they're not as um, in tune with the client and the customer base quite as much with. How, how do you capture that? I know in the art side, that's happening as well. There were some pretty big sales of NFT art pieces. And now, you have galleries that while the sales have pulled back, they're trying to figure out like, how do we capture that group? Mm. How do we get people yeah. who were paying seven figures for an NFT art piece to buy a seven or maybe even an eight figure contemporary physical piece. And mm -hmm. the sports card, the sports card hobby needs to try to do that as well. Um, because that it's a, you know, they may have lost a little bit of money, recently but if you believe in crypto or any of that stuff at all you have to assume it's going to be back and you know once their wallets refill to some degree they'll be looking to buy and so how can the sports card companies and memorabilia as well um, you know take advantage of that group and really keep them engaged Time for the bold prediction portion of our program. Uh, we're gonna stick with you, Bradley. Let's talk about. Uh, let's keep talking about high-end items. What is your bold prediction for high-end items in 2023? Yeah, I don't know. After I wrote it, I'm not sure how bold it maybe sounds, but I do think with sports memorabilia overtakes cards um, again at the at a record sale. I don't know what that exactly is going to look like. I'm not sure what that's going to be. Um, you know, Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan are, are obviously two names that come to mind, something tied to them. Um, I, I do love the fact that, and this is sort of that vintage and also kind of viewing some of these as 
showable art pieces that like in the sports card world at the high end mantle and honus are back at the top uh, i'm happy that we, we've moved a little bit away from uh, as great as they may be like the the lucas and mahomes and yeah. even lebron kind of yeah. commanding that value um it, it's just not it, it is very nice and refreshing to see honus and uh, mantle now dominating the top of the card world so now i do think memorabilia i'd love to see a sale you know i think we could see one in the 15 million range i know that you know there's a few pieces out there that if they get to an auction house i really do think the buyers would be there you know 20 million i still think might be a little bit of a push in this market but i was wrong about 10 last year so you know maybe <laughs> heritage or pwcc or one of the auction houses on here even can prove me wrong again but we'd love to see memorabilia back um on top i, I just think that that you know there's a couple cards the honuses the mantles that are they're great and, and they really do look you know especially those well-centered mantles with the the awesome blue background the 52 yeah. yep they are great, but there's just the sports memorabilia. Like those are really museum pieces that uh, I just think deserve to be, you know, whether it's a game worn Jersey or something of that nature, a full um, uniform. Uh, I would love to see that back on top and 15 to 20 million in that range would be awesome to see. Ryan, you have three, not one, not two, but three bold predictions. One of which is uh, very closely tied to what Bradley was just saying. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I just said, I think memorabilia, this is like the year of memorabilia that get just more and more noticed overall game worn Jersey market. We'll harp on that. And I think you're just going to see the continued to rise. Um, I think the, the biggest thing of my three points was more normalcy in the market. I think you're going to see things return a little bit from a business standpoint, mm -hmm. pre pandemic. So like, just, you know, put your thinking cap on and remember what it was like in December of 2019 and go back those 12 months and see how the market was, you know, where things were, what was growing, the, the growth, how that's going to be. Uh, I think you're going to see some of that uh, really come. That's how 2023, I think, will, will shape up overall, which I think is actually healthy because uh, I think that, you know, instead of just, you know, there's a lot of people throwing a lot of money at all sorts of things because everyone just was sitting at home and had a lot of extra money in cash. And that's worked itself out. I mean, it's just another cycle that we've seen. And I think 2023, you're going to see, a fallback to 2019. If you can remember kind of what happened, what was going on then, um, I think you'll, again, you'll see that. I think it's uh, it's still healthy, very healthy market. I think it's driven again by the auction houses. Uh, it's driven by the shift from guys focusing on new cards to more vintage cards and and continuing into that you know memorabilia growth. And of course, the last one was I think you'll see some you know, a handful uh, of million dollar game worn jersey sales in 2023 overall. Tony, um, you are of mind that uh, some lumber is going to keep uh, making noise in the non-card space. Yeah, we've seen some great numbers in the game use bat and in the game use bats. And it's not just your mantles, Jackie Robinson's. You know, you're starting to see some of those second tier guys go for much more than they ever have before. Even some of your lower tier Hall of Famers. Some of you guys like Harold Baines, Roberto Alomar, you're seeing those guys mm. starting to make a nice jump up a little bit. And um, I've seen so much growth in the game use bad industry um, that it's been in incredible. I, you know, Rod Carew is a great example of this. We had uh, one of his game use bats, and you know, I think I think he was very undervalued for a long time. He was a two to three thousand dollar bat. 
Now he's jumped up into the five six thousand dollar range. So you're starting to see people are understanding that game use bats, especially the high grade ones. There's not a lot out there, and PSA does a population report now, and I think because of that, it's helped the industry quite a bit. But um, game use bats, I I, I think that's going to continue to go really well in our in our hobby. So speaking of Harold Baines and bats, I was lucky enough to go to the um, Babe Ruth Museum and birthplace in Baltimore, and they have an amazing storage area with amazing game used bats, right? And I'm down there and there's, you know, the Cal Ripken bat, a lot of Baltimore stuff because it's in Baltimore. And all of a sudden, boom, a Harold Baines bat was one of my heroes when I was growing up as a little White Sox fan. I got the gloves. I got the nice little plastic gloves, picked it up, had a little area. I swung, people. I swung. The same bat that Harold Baines swung himself. It was pretty awesome. I don't know. Just it, 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 it's a great industry, and 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 the bats each have a story in their, you know, in their own right. They really do. And you catch a vibe off of them. You legitimately catch a vibe off mm-hmm. of them. Um, Jesse, you also believe that non-card uh, assets are going to be a big deal moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I do, and I think Ryan was the one that mentioned it. But you know, cards. Cards can be a gateway drug to you know other <laughs> tangible assets, right? Um, and, and so, outside of just memorabilia, which I still think has a huge runway, I I definitely think you know we've we've got the opportunity to do a fifteen to twenty million dollar sale in the memorabilia space. I know a couple of really high end collectors out there that just have some monster pieces where if they hit the market, they just can't be ignored. I mean, you'll never see it again. Whoever wins it, uh, so you know that's your opportunity, right? And, you know, outside of even memorabilia, though, you look at comics, you look at video games, you know, there's some asset classes out there. Even coins, I think, can make a comeback from a popularity standpoint. And people are going to start diversifying their portfolios a bit outside of just trading cards, outside of even memorabilia. And they're going to start looking at some comics and and other things like that uh, that they find a, a you know attachment to and so even for me a guy that you know i haven't played a video game in 20 years i find myself drawn to graded video games that are nostalgic mm. right um i never thought i'd really i never read comics as a kid but with all these marvel movies and these tv shows that are being made and stuff like that you know you see comics come up and all of a sudden you have an attachment or you know some kind of love for the the cover of that of that comic so i think there's a lot of crossover i think you'll see a lot of guys venturing out and buying some things that they just really enjoy um and so you know for 2020 I just think the space is going to evolve and expand more than just trading cards. We are recording this uh, less than 24 hours outside of the United States men's soccer team um, winning their way into the knockout round. I'm pretty excited about that. I actually got choked up at the end of that game. Uh, Dan, I'm guessing you two watched the game and probably did get choked up like me. Uh, but you're seeing soccer cards as as being an even bigger deal than they are now because they're kind of they're kind of on the upward upward trend. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think if if we're looking at cards and and what could have some staying power, I think uh, soccer cards with, with obviously with this World Cup being at the unique time that it's at, and um, us and and Mexico and Canada all co co hosting in twenty twenty six. I think there's like a, a really long runway for uh, cards to sort of stay mm-hmm. on top of people's minds. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're we're coming to the end of Ronaldo and the end of Messi. And Messi's there's a, there's a good chance that Messi could actually come to the MLS. There's some rumblings about him coming into Miami. Um, so I, I think that there there are quite a few things happening um, that could propel that. I mean, unfortunately, there was some some you know breaking news before I uh, came in. I know that we're recording this on the 30th, but uh, I guess like Pele went to the hospital recently. Mm-hmm. So like like. I, 
it's terrible to say, but you always see a spike when when someone has like you know health troubles or they've they've unfortunately passed. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but there, there's a lot of stuff happening right now that uh, could could indicate that soccer has some staying power, especially if so many people have said over the years about how you know uh, cards and memorabilia is is becoming a global market and there are people all around the world that collect and soccer is truly the global sport so uh it, it would certainly make sense if it really really had some staying power especially with 2026 looming uh i will preface this dan by saying this is a personal opinion this is not your uh investment advice or collecting advice but if you personally were going to target one young gun one non-goat soccer player uh based on what you've seen in epl based on what you're seeing in the world cup thus far who's that guy uh it's probably jude bellingham he hasn't he hasn't had a great uh world cup so far but uh either bellingham or, or phil foden i think either of them are you know pretty incredible players and uh they're, they're really young and they're, they're you know the sky's the limit um yeah either, either of them or you know, I, I mean, I, I guess you never know. So- soccer is like, you know, it's the type of sport where I'm, I'm very biased, obviously, because I, I played in college here. But like um, soccer is the type of sport where you could not never have heard of somebody. And then two weeks later, they're, you know, on the front page and everyone knows their name. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Bellingham or, um, or Foden are, are good bets there. Darren, I, I love what you're looking at here. You're looking at um, uh, innovation. In effect, you're looking at cards, right? But you're looking at different cards is what you're what you're thinking 2023 is going to look like. Yeah, so I, I have three things. I agree with the game used totally. Love that. Love that space. Um, the second is I think we're going to see a lot less 12 year olds walking around shows with cards valued at fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> like it's unreal um and and i think it's amazing for for some of those kids that that have incredible cards um but i think we see a lot less of that as the market trades down and not every quarterback is worth you know prospect is worth you know ridiculous sums of money Mm -hmm. um but but the third one which I'm, i'm more serious about is i think we start to see the the diversification of of designs in and around the card space and you know what's been amazing to me is i've been collecting around sort of the the shadows of the card space in the in the art card market, um, and not just like the 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 cool art cards that are put out, like Court Kings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but from independent designers. Um, so folks like you know outside like Luke the Cardist or DJ Ski or or folks like that that have have either, have taken existing cards and they've embellished them in a variety of different ways um, and put their own spins on them. And and I don't know if these are more sports or more art. But I like the confluence of both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you started to see tops do this over the last bunch of years with, you know, their different projects like the 70s project, et cetera, um, where they've taken artists and, you know, had them interpret different players in different ways. And I think we're going to start to see more of that um, and more collaborations that happen outside. And so I'm excited to see where that goes. And, and uh, you know, I think those you know, certainly smaller than game used. Uh, but uh, I do like, you know, the alternative card space and seeing a lot of the art cards and the card artists and and see where that goes and i think it you know we'll see some more of it in 2023 Suze, take us home uh you have some business stuff that you're thinking of uh of paying attention to and thinking we should pay attention to yeah i think with um the last couple of years allowed a lot of different people to innovate within this space and create like different companies with new and exciting ideas 
And we saw a little bit of this happening in 2022, but I think there's going to be more consolidation from um, the companies within this space, and whether it be through acquisitions or even even just unfortunately people closing because like in the broader aspect like macroeconomics the economy is down and that does affect this hobby and people who kind of jumped into it um as um like their side hustle um i think those those types of people will also be affected Mm -hmm. by this guys this was a hell of a show it's been a hell of a year 2023 is going to be a hell of a year again um, thank you all for sharing your time today. Thank you all for appearing in the pod earlier this year. And um, great holidays to you and yours. You too, Al. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, you. thank you. Whether it's a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, a Tom Brady playoff contenders rookie card from 2000, or, I don't know, a Marv Throneberry card that came out of a post cereal box in 1963, and yes, that's a thing. Certified Sports Guarantee will grade your sports cards quickly and accurately. A subsidiary of Certified Collectibles Group, CSG graded over 1 million cards in its first year plus on the sports collecting scene, the fastest any grading company has hit that mark. The speedy turnaround times provided by the knowledgeable, passionate team of expert sports card graders will make your CSG experience smooth, efficient, and most importantly, fair. Regardless of the athlete, the sport, or the condition of your card, CSG will treat it with the love and respect it deserves. For more information about CSG, visit csgcards.com. That's CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. We hope you enjoyed Collect This, powered by CSG. Collect This was hosted, written, produced, engineered, and scored by Alan Goldscher. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at collectthis at csgcards.com. 